we're back on our topic this morning. We're going to talk about the kingdom. So, Lord, we just thank you right now as we shift it back into the Word of God and we talk about kingdom, that you will uh, do something in our hearts today. I pray that, as Scripture says, that we open our, our hearts, our, open our minds to the engrafted Word that becomes engrafted in our hearts and minds. And it says it's even able to save our souls or to convert our thinking would be more of an accurate translation. So we praise you for that today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I just had to include this in my, in my notes. It's a little humor. The good news is that my dad helped me with my math homework. So what's the bad news? The bad news is that he works at the Fed. <laughs> oh, come on. It's funny. It actually isn't funny. Because I want, I want to talk to, uh, talk is sort of a lead into the bigger subject. So we're going to talk a little bit about good news, bad news. And this really is part of the bad news, that inflation tops list of most urgent issues facing the U.S. The, per recent poll. So all of us have been uh, facing the idea of increased cost, gas prices that are outrageous, all of those things compounding to where it's become the number one stress point across the board for Americans. Added to that, and as a result of that, according to Paycheck to Paycheck Report by Lending Club Bank, the number of citizens living paycheck to paycheck has steadily increased since April 2021 from 52% to 64%. That's a lot of people paycheck to paycheck. But this is the even more shocking side. The number of people earning more than $100,000 per year who reported living paycheck to paycheck, increased from 42% in December 2021 to 48% in January 2022. The data shows that the number has fluctuated from 39% in, in May 21 to reaching a high of 50% in November 21. Now, I don't know about you, and, I, and if you're in those categories, or especially if you would be in the second category, uh, we need to talk... You, we need help, some counsel, because that should not be. But it, it's just a snapshot of what's happening in our society. It's happening, what's happening underneath the culture right now, what people are experiencing, and, and the stress and those kind of things that come out of that are, are showing up in all kinds of different realms in society. And it is a moral issue. It's not just a financial issue. It is a political issue. But it's a moral issue for us to understand that, that, that runaway things, too much money chasing too few goods at the simplest explanation, compounded outwards, it's put us in a really, really difficult place as a country, and it's going to be more difficult in the days ahead because it isn't over yet. But I want to say the most important part of this, the, the backdrop of the bad news, is here's the good news. Psalm 37, 25, and 6. I was young, and I could say this for myself. I was young and now I'm old, yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. They're always generous and they lend freely. Their children will be a blessing. Amen? Because I know for Terry and I that we were celebrating this yesterday, having three children and, and taking a ministry course, uh, a track for our lives other than I was in mortgage lending for 10 years and some building construction before that. But for the most part of our adult lives, we chose a ministry tack because we felt we were responding to what God made clearly known over our life. 
And we knew in that tract that it's not considered a high-income pathway by any means. And knowing we had three children, we wanted the best for them. We just celebrated the fact that all three of them are going to be able to buy homes, two of them in the recent economy, nice homes provided for supernaturally by God in an amazing way. And we, we track that back to this very fact that th when you walk in covenant with God, you walk in kingdom understanding with God, he makes way where in the natural there isn't a way. He shows up so that, uh, and, and he'll do things in you, through you, for you, on your behalf, so that you can only say in your heart, God made that happen. God made it possible. And it creates in your heart this great uh, expression of joy and thanksgiving. It, it builds connection. The testimony of that is a powerful thing. But this is true. And I say this to put hope in anybody that might be despairing when they look across the economic scene or they're concerned about the future. Psalm 37 25 and 26, the, the psalmist was saying in his elder years, when he was young and when he was old, he testified to this very fact. I've never seen the righteous forsaken, ever. Or their children begging bread, ever. And they are always generous. They lend freely. Their children will be a blessing. Amen? So we, we believe that that is our good news. That's, we know that God is upholding that. And uh, it, it's something that we can stand upon. Matthew 6... Matthew 6.32 is a good under scripture for what our main theme is this morning. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But he says this, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. It's printed in black, but that's a red letter edition. That's three of the Gospels quoted Jesus' words, and they said, this is what Jesus said when he was walking with us on earth, that if you would learn to understand the kingdom of heaven and you would begin to put it in a primary way in your life, that all the things that the, the former part of the passage talked about, he said, all the things that the Gentiles seek after, all the things that the culture puts up in front of your face and creates a desire for, a sense that if we don't have these things, that we're not going to be successful, we're going to fall, fall behind, etc., etc. He said, the Father knows what you need, and he said he's going to take care of it, but here's the, here's the priority, the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, and those things would be added. And then he went on to say, don't worry about those things. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't worry about those things. And the reason why you don't have to is you're going to grow in the understanding of the kingdom. Amen? That's why. You don't have to worry about it. And that's what we're talking about. I called today's message Kingdom 101. The, I'm just going to go through some principles. And it, it might be for some people it's going to be, I've heard these things again, probably not reorganized because it's something that I've prayed about over the last week and took out of my own notes. Uh, and I just feel like I want to share it to you, but I'm going to call it Kingdom 101. And the label over the top of that is this, for the key for God's salvation and provision is to understand and operate in the ways of the kingdom. That's what he, Jesus, came to introduce on the earth. And we're going to read a, another scripture later that's going to make that more clear. But part of the bad news that goes with it in terms of this good news, bad news, the bad news is Jesus said, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. And I put in parenthesis because based on the parable, it's inferred before it can bring forth fruit. 
that we know this and every time Jesus, the, the parable of the sower, the parable of the kingdom, it's in three of the gospels, it's basically the same way in all of them. In Matthew 13, it expands out. In Mark chapter 4, it expands out. In Luke's, it goes even more detail. But all of this uh, teaching or understanding that's centered around the kingdom, that it's a seed-sowing principle, and that the sower sows the word of God, and that the, how it works is that when it's not understood, when, when God gives it to us through his word or when we're reading the bible or you're you're listening to a podcast you're hearing preaching or somebody expounding on the gospels and you you're listening to that if you don't take time to understand it he said this is how it works the enemy comes and steals it out of your heart before it can bring forth fruit and that's one of the greatest concerns as a pastor is that we gather together and, and many people once a month, some people weekly, some people every few months, some people on Easter and Christmas, and they're, they're looking at church and they're saying, we're having a Christian experience. And we want, we want to learn in the things of God. Yeah, we're part of a Christian community, but if you're not paying enough attention to the word where it's able to root in your heart, create understanding that you can walk in the light of that understanding, the wicked one snatches it out of your life and you're back to natural thinking. And you're subject to everything else that is bringing the woes upon the world. Amen? So that's, that's what this is about, is that that's our hope. That's my responsibility. When, when Jesus told Peter, he said, feed my sheep, that was what his responsibility became as a shepherd. So that our, what we think about, and as much as people would say church needs to be about this and to be about, about that, no, there's, there's a responsibility for feeding. But then there's a responsibility for eating, right? And there's a responsibility for digesting and allowing the things that you hear, taking heed to that and allowing it to 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 root into your heart and so the kingdom of heaven is something that the gospels are full of it but full of that of this topic but it's the idea that it's called a mystery in luke 8 9 then his disciples asked him saying what does this parable mean and he said to you it has been given to be known the mysteries of the kingdom of god but to the rest it is given in parables that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. That was a quote out of the book of Isaiah when he got his commissioning. And, and he was told as he saw a vision in heaven, he saw the, the Lord's train fill the temple, the glory of God in the temple. And, and he now all of a sudden saw his life in a, a different light. It said, it starts there in Isaiah chapter 6, in the year that King Uzziah died, he said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. And you read the commentary around that, and you realize that Uzziah, King Uzziah, was one of the wealthiest, longest reigning kings in Israel's history. And they were in a, a great season of prosperity, a great season of protection. He knew how to build walled cities. He knew how to build agriculture within the walls. He had a great system for water. Uh, he had a great army and a great defense system. So if you were under the reign of Uzziah, you would understand just peace and safety and security, and your, your thinking would be long-term, and everything's going to be cool, everything's going to be okay. And so Isaiah was a prophet under his reign. That was what he understood at that time, culture and life to be about. And then Uzziah died. And he must have been in a time of his own prayer. He had a time of wonderment himself. Like, what's going to happen now in our culture? Who will be the successor? What will the politics look like? 
similar to what we could be asking and thinking now, which apparently many, many people are. And all of a sudden, he saw a vision. And he saw God in heaven. He saw the glory of God. And it created a response to him. He said, woe unto me. Like, one, you know, 30 seconds before that, he was a prophet of the Most High God. Now he sees God in the context of God. And his response is, woe unto me. I'm an unclean man in the midst of a wicked and perverse generation. All of a sudden, nice, cool society, everything good, everything covered, protected, sees it through a different perspective. And that's one of the things why we make an appeal for praying long enough and being in prayer places and being in encounter places that increases the opportunity for you to have a real encounter with God. Because when you have a real encounter with God, your perspective will change. Your view of culture, your view of society, it will change. And not necessarily to, to, you know, to be angry and upset and critical and opposing, and, and which usually creates two things in people. That they'll either try to run and hide and have nothing to do with it, or they spend their life just critiquing it. That's not the intent. The intent is to see heaven and understand earth versus heaven, culture versus heaven, your life versus heaven, and in that you make the adjustment that Isaiah made. And they didn't leave him hanging. They took a coal from the altar, touched his lips, and all of a sudden it was, bam, I see different. I feel different. I've been sanctified is one of the words. I've been sanctified by heaven, and then it even gets better. Then he stayed hanging out. He, that connection in the vision was allowed to stay long enough where he heard a conversation. And he heard the Godhead saying, who shall we send? And now he's saying, well, now that I see it different, now that I see accurately as a prophet, send me. I'm willing to go. And so the commission came. But they, the, the part of his commissioning was the quotes, quotes that Jesus referred to. Isaiah, you're going to go, and you're going to have, a, I'm paraphrasing this now, you're going to have enough steadfastness, you're going to have enough uh, internal grunt, you're going to have enough energy that you're just going to keep prophesying, you're going to keep declaring, you're going to keep saying and he said, how long? And he said, until the eyes grow dim and the ears stop up. There was a, a projected time in Israel's history, but before God could allow judgment to come, people had to hear and hear and hear. But that was kind of a lousy assignment. How you, get, you get to keep preaching till everybody shuts their eyes and closes their ears. And Jesus said that to his disciples. But then he made this clarity. He said, that's what's happening for those who don't have ears to hear and a heart to perceive, their eyes will just get heavier and their ears will become more stopped. But he said, unto you it's appointed differently. Unto you it's appointed to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. That's why I explain to you, but to them they have to hear it in parables because their hearts are in a different place. So if, if your heart's with God and you're in this room this morning, it's been appointed unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. You should feel privileged. That's a big deal. God, you, you've been called. You've been called out by God. He's, he's aligning your life so you can understand and walk in the principles of the kingdom of heaven so your future is secure all the way into eternity. Amen. That's good news. Yep, and that's actually good preaching if, if anybody wanted. So, amen. 
But that is the kingdom of heaven, and that is what's been uh, given to us, the privilege to know the mysteries. But the fact he refers to it, it's the mysteries of the kingdom of God because you can't explain it black and white. You can't map it out and, and define all the edges and, and, and lay out everything you know, in, in perfect order. It's, it's contained in mysteries. That's why Jesus said over and over again, the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is like, said the kingdom of heaven is in your midst. The kingdom of heaven doesn't come with observation. All these obscure phrases that when they, they would listen to it, they realize it's like putting a puzzle piece together. It has this kind of attribute. It's got that kind of attribute and that, oh, but it's not like the natural world. It exists in another dimension. It also exists in a, uh, it's, got, it's got geographic boundaries. It's actually, if we could use the term, it's got physical attributes. Heaven is a place. That, but it exists in another dimension. Is it connected to our universe? Absolutely, but it does exist in a different dimension. There's a mystery around it. And what people have to get over the fact that as soon as something becomes mystical and it disconnects from their logic or the easy answer, and we've, there's been so much uh, fact-checking skepticism built into us that you've got to actually work out of your spirit instead of your mind to embrace the kingdom of heaven. You've got to learn to embrace things prayerfully. You have to learn to embrace things contemplatively to allow God to put the pieces together. Amen? So I just broke this down. It's not going to take long. Into the, I just call them the kingdom of heaven attributes. We assign peace to all of them. <laughs> so the kingdom of heaven, the attributes, I want to just briefly talk about the position, the protocol, the power, the posture, the promises, and the provision. If you could get those in a thumbnail way and understand that that's what, what you've been called to be part of and what you've been called to serve, it'll be life-changing. Amen? Because the goal is to take fear out of our hearts for the future. Can you say amen? Yeah, the, the goal is that we're not a people of apprehension. We're not a people of fear. We're not worried about what's going to happen. That we're connected to an unshakable kingdom. And you know what makes a kingdom a kingdom? There's a king over it. <laughs> All things were made by him, through him, and for him. Apart from him, nothing was made that was made. He knows the book, how it's all made, how it's all put together. He upholds all things by the word of his power, it says in Scripture. Like, we're connected to a king who has a kingdom. That's a really good news. And we'll, we'll talk in a second about how our citizenship is realized in that. But let's just talk briefly about something that is sort of mystical, the position of the kingdom of heaven. But you have not come to Mount, or, but you have come to Mount Zion and the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and the general assembly and the church of the firstborn, who are registered in heaven, to God the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus the mediator of the new covenant. That's what's in headquarters. <laughs> New Jerusalem, Jesus is there. Our Father is there. They, they occupy space. There is something called the throne of God, and it's different than a Disney movie. There is the throne of God in heaven, and God the Father, the judge of all, is there, and so is Jesus. And so is the general assembly. So there's other people there. There's the spirits of just men made perfect. Your relatives are in heaven. There's a, a whole collection of these things that are bef before us already in heaven. It goes on to say, since we're surrounded by such a cloud of witnesses, you're also being supported from heaven. 
You're being supported from the New Jerusalem by our family that's already preceded us, both family members here, but the larger church family is in heaven rooting for us. The innumerable company of angels, what does that mean? They can't be numbered. Scripture gives definition. What are they about? They're sent to minister to the heirs of salvation. They're ministering spirits. You've got a guardian angel in your life. They're watching over us. They're caring for us. They sit in the center section. That's why no people come right there. They're we have innumerable company of angels on our side, amen? And Jesus is there, and, it, and they actually, he actually throws in his job description. He's the mediator of the new covenant. He's up there for our benefit. It says that he's a high priest making intercession for you and me. He mediates our covenant. We'll look at what that promise is connected to in a minute. But Jesus is up there working on our behalf, working all things together for our good because we love him, and we're called according to his purpose. That's the good news. Amen. In Revelations 4, 5, and from the throne. So this position in the New Jerusalem, there is a throne. And from that throne, there's lightnings and thunderings and voices. That's exciting. Amen. It's not a static throne. It's a dynamic throne. It's in the center of the universe. And in front of it, seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. John sees this. And again, it's mystical. It's, it's kind of like this, and it's sort of like that. And I see this, it kind of looks like that. And, but one of the things that he identified, he said, before that throne, there was like these seven lamps which are burning that he was told by Revelation are the seven spirits of God. And Isaiah goes into the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon the spirit of wisdom, understanding, counsel, might, knowledge, fear of the Lord. Seven things are listed. And most scholars put that connection together because of the context of both places. But why do you bring that up? Because you and I have come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God. That's where family and power and government resides. We've been invited in, and in front of God's throne, there's the seven spirits of God that go out from the throne in voices, thundering, and lightning to impart to us the spirit of the Lord, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of might, and the spirit of the fear of the Lord. Amen? You got, you got advantages coming from your headquarters. And, it's, and how do you connect with that? How do you take advantage of that? Growing in the knowledge of the kingdom. Growing in the knowledge of the present reality of the kingdom and how faith activates and how faith works that in our life. Amen? So that's what this is about. Kingdom 101. Ephesians 2.5. Oh, wait, shoot. No wonder. You guys are... I left you in the dark. Ephesians 2.5. It is by grace that you've been saved, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. That's mystical, right? How can we be seated here going through earth stuff and be seated with Jesus in the heavenly realms? Well, that's the idea that those who are joined to the Lord are one spirit. In your new birth experience, God said this, I take away your old fleshly heart, I'm paraphrasing, or not paraphrasing, quoting Ezekiel right now that shows up in the New Testament. That I take away your old stony heart and I give you a new heart. He said, then I give you a new spirit and then I put my spirit in you. So you're a new creation. There's part of you as you walk with Jesus, this transformation that takes place that where Paul said, you're literally a new creation. And in that new creation, there's part of you now that's designed to be present with God all the time, every day in heaven. 
And so when, as you grow in knowledge and understanding, you realize that you have access to the heavenly sphere. You've got access, and the things that come off the throne of God are intended to give us direction and connection. So we can literally, literally say, we are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. Amen? Because the, these, these attributes that are designed into the kingdom become attributes in our own life. Say amen, somebody. <laughs> okay. John 18, 37. Pilate said to Jesus, are you a king? Jesus said, you say rightly, I'm a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I've come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Here's the protocol of the kingdom, is that we follow a king, and we hear his voice. This is what he said. Yeah, you said rightly, Pilate, I am a king, and this is how my kingdom works. He told them then, it's not of the world because it was the same kind of kingdom as you that my disciples would fight, but they're not fighting because it works different. It's got a different protocol. Here's the protocol. As the king, I share my word, I release my voice, and people who are of the truth will hear my voice. And even in a further category, that as people hear my voice and they begin to respond and rally to my voice, they become part of my flock. And I become their good shepherd, and then they become my sheep, and they follow me. Amen? So that's the protocol of the kingdom, is that he speaks and we hear. And Isaiah also saw this back in the, the Old Covenant. God made it clear back then. He said, for as rain comes down and snow from heaven and doesn't return, but waters the earth and makes it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it will prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. That's the protocol of the kingdom. It works by what the king declares. Everything is subject to the declaration of the king. And it said, Hebrews said he upholds everything by the word of his power. Nothing is going to operate around him, apart from him, escape him. He said he knows the hairs on our head that are numbered. And I thank God all the time for that scripture that says he even knows when a sparrow falls to the ground. Amen. Because he's picked me up dozens of times. Amen. Dozens of times I've been picked up and he's, he knows I've fallen. But it works that way. God sends out his word and it accomplishes what it's intended to accomplish. Why? Because it goes into the hearts of his followers. And his followers hear and they respond and they obey and they bring forth the kingdom of heaven in the earth. That's why your job is important because you're a responder. Amen. You're a citizen of the kingdom and you're a responder, the voice of the king. Mark 4, 13. And he said, don't you understand the parable? How then will you understand all parables? Goes on to say the sower sows the word. It's the same. It's consistent. How does God work? How, what is the protocol of the kingdom of heaven? God de de declares, God rules, he reigns by releasing his word. And it doesn't come just as a scroll or a script. It comes with power to perform what he has, what he intends for it to perform. And so we, we see some would say dispensations, but there's under heaven, there's a time and a purpose for every, there's a time and a season for every purpose under heaven. So seasons change. The, the chronology of earth wrapping up its full destiny in the things of God. How many know that earth has a completed end? Peter writes about it. Revelation writes about it. 
There's, a, there's enough ecology left in it to finish its course, believe me. If they, if, anyway, side note, but I'd like to just hammer that thing. So, but there, here we are, we're on this destiny. And so th- when God declares that it's over, he says, nope, it's time for a new season. He declares that things begin to shift. His, his word comes out of heaven. His servants and sons and daughters and prophetic people, they begin to receive it and they start declaring it. They start praying into it. And then things in the natural start to shift. But Israel shows us a cycle of seven times when the people of God didn't do that. When instead of responding to God and, and implementing the things that he was saying and declaring, they just, as the scripture said, every man walked in his own way. Every man went back to his own home and began to ignore the kingdom and the things of the kingdom. When that happens, the corruption in the world uh, begins to rise and wicked leaders take over leadership and it turns into a judgment, persecuting, pressurized situation for the people of God until they wake up and shake up and they begin to cry out to him and then he sends a deliverer. We're in one of those cycles. It's time to wake up, not be woke. It's time to wake up, amen? And in that, beginning to call unto God for his righteousness, his plan, and I can tell you already, he's already responding. He's releasing his word. People are starting to hear. They're starting to feel. They're starting to rise up. You know, the, the truth is, this is, a, this is a sad, this is a frustrating truth, having known this and hearing it from several sources that in, even, in, even in California, if believers would just become educated and would say, what are the values that are taking place right now in society, things that are coming up for vote, things that are decisions that are going to be made, that are going to be most consistent with the scripture, and if they voted, even in California, every one of those would come to pass. There's enough registered Christians in the state of California to actually fulfill what Jesus said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's enough register, no, sorry, there's enough Christians, and they don't register. That's why there's a table out there out front today. You have a duty. You have a moral duty to register and to become educated and vote. Amen? Come on, you need to. Absolutely we can. But, what it, but, but instead, it's kind of like, that's just a hard part being on the conservative side, and I'm a capitalist, is that our, our tendency is we, we, we make and we accumulate, and we just would want to enjoy it in peace. And, but in our, in our, when we, we take off the time to just enjoy it in peace and don't want to worry about that, it catches up and begins to come and wanting to take and so we're, we're in that cycle right now. And I, and I believe in the ca- capitalism with a conscience, I, following millennial track and thinking and all that, and I applaud it. I think there's going to be some really good things that come out of it. But on the other hand, you need to listen to some old folks too. <laughs> been there, done that. We're, we're, we're tracking on another direction, and so we need each other. We need you, but you need us. Amen? That should have been a louder Amen. 1 Corinthians 4.20, for the kingdom of God is not just in words. So now I'm talking about another one of the P's. The kingdom consists, a kingdom attribute is power. The kingdom of God is not just in word, but it's in power. Matthew 6.13, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Luke 4.36, then they were all amazed and spoke among themselves, saying, what a word this is. For with authority and power, he commands the unclean spirits, and they came out. 
Well, I know that, and I, we, you, after a while, you begin to walk, and you, you say, there's time, this is time for understanding, but there's a time for power. And so in, when there's a time for power, then you begin to pray. You begin to call on Jesus. You begin to use the blood of Jesus in declarations that, that, that out of you, you believe that the Holy Spirit releases power to see things shifted. A week ago, in hearing of a friend, you guys know Ed Lixie, and, and so he was struggling. He was in heart failure. And uh, so I got a call from his son-in-law, and, I, and it, then I got Janet on the phone. And the, Ty, you guys know Ty, he said, you know, if you want to see Ed alive, you better come back. And so I prayed about it, and I got the last seat on the airplane leaving the next morning. And when I showed up we, at the hospital, we were starting to have a conversation, and in the conversation, his eyes would roll back, and he'd check out. And I'd look right to the monitor because it felt like we lost him. And that was happening all the way through the day. And then we began to pray. We began to declare. We laid hands on him. And one of the cardiologists said, you know, we overlooked something that his, his um, he talked about there was something that his blood levels that were off. And so they did a correction there. And then, the, well, this other thing is starting to regulate. His blood pressure is starting to come out. Prayed and declared again. His cardiologist said, well, if, if his heart can get strong enough, we're going to send him over to the advanced heart failure unit in Dallas, and they'll size him up for a heart pump or possibly a transplant, although he's got these factors where he can't get a transplant. Well, th- you know, that in some ways, because of what he's been going through, that sounded sort of like good news, but on the inside, it's hell no, right? That, 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 there's, that's traumatic. That's, and so what do you do? You're thinking of the power of God, believing the power of God. So we prayed again before he went into a procedure, came out of that. When he came out, the cardiologist said, well, I think we're reconsidering that actually this part of his heart, it isn't damaged, and we didn't find any further blockage. And by the next day, he's saying, by the third day, I think this is something you're just going to manage, and it'll get better day by day. So then the following day, he's supposed to be in the hospital for a week and ten, or 10 days. The following day, he was out of the hospital. The following day, he was back in church. Amen? And he's growing in strength. But, incre- but, you know, incrementally, but there's certain times, especially when you feel an unction, we got access to the power of God all the time, but there's sometimes when you just feel the Holy Spirit say, no, go, this, go for the power, amen, call on the power, because here, here's the deal, this is what it says in 1 Corinthians, here's your, here's your connection to the future, and my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in the demonstration and power of the Spirit, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. I like that, and this one's even better. Ephesians 3.20, Now to him who's able to do, say exceedingly abundantly, exceedingly abundantly in a time where lack, confinement, inflation, God's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. To him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ to all generations forever and ever. God does things by his power in the Holy Spirit in us. He's working in us. The power of God is working in us. We're connected to the kingdom. We get kingdom wisdom, kingdom understanding. And not only do we, we have it, but now we have access to the power of God to see it brought about. Amen? Faith works. Prayer works. Agreement works. Declaration works. Amen? As part of the kingdom. But with that, there comes a posture. This is important also. This is one of the P's, posture. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst, 
for righteousness. They shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Next. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they'll be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I say that because in all of these other things, they work together. For the kingdom of God to manifest, there's a posture. And it is a posture of humility. It's a posture of hunger. It's a posture of saying, I want to understand the mysteries of the kingdom greater than I want to understand how the logic in my brain works. More than I want to understand the effects of my birth order. More than I want to understand the effects of my enneagram, or if I said that right. But the other things that we use to think about personalities, the things we think about gifts, the things we think about talents, they're all part of the picture, but there's something deeper, more powerful, more stronger than all of that. It's the kingdom of heaven that resides within our spirit. It's a communication with God that turns into a direction. It turns into something to be obtained or acquired by the power of God. Amen? No, we're we're almost done. Galatians 3.14. The promises now, the next P, the promises that are continued, they're an attribute connected to the kingdom. And that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles, the church, in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now to Abraham and to his seed were the promises made. But without faith, it's impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. The promises of Abraham that were God gave to Abraham that passed to us through, passed to us through Christ was God at different times in Genesis, he appeared to Abraham. Their conversation was about this promise to be an heir of many nations, that his descendants would be as the stars in the heaven, his descendants would be as the sand on the earth. And God's making these grandiose, huge promises. Abraham can't deny there's a face-in-face encounter. He can't deny it's God speaking, but what in his mind he's thinking, I don't even have an heir. I don't even have a son, and you're telling me about all these descendants, and he's trying to factor the mystery of the kingdom into what he knows and understands. God does give him a son, but he also told him this in another, in Genesis, I think it's 15, is the first time. He said, this is because you're walking with me, and you're walking in righteousness that comes through faith. I'm going to bless you so that you can be a blessing. I'm going to make your name great. In other words, I'm going to give you influence. And so that's the promise, that blessing, include of descendants and heirs in the kingdom, That's the blessing that came on us through Christ, that you're going to be blessed enough that you can be a blessing. Not just blessed enough till your needs are met. You're going to be blessed enough so that you can be a blessing. Amen? You receive that? That's not going to be about being able to pay your bills, not going to be about living in your house and and having your own house. Jesus said, those who give up these things for me, in this time they'll they'll inherit a hundred times that and there's great promises connected to properties etc but he said this that i'm going to bless you i'm going to give you a reputation in other words you're going to be associated with something where they look at you and they say you know they got it going on there's something happening there they're blessed either ideas financially something to do with character gifts talents something connected to your influence it's through christ through abraham amen So if you haven't realized any of those things yet, you have a destiny in those things, and you're going to be blessed enough that you're able to be a blessing. 
Say amen. Don't sit there, don't sit there and wonder in despair. Come on. Because <laughs> connected to the promise, there's also provision. And, and I'm almost done. 2 Corinthians 9. God is able. Say, God is able. And he does it according to the power that works in us. God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. There it is again in another form. God can make his grace abound, that we are blessed enough so we're able to give into every good work. Amen? That's what I believe. I, I remember when I was in itinerant ministry in the beginning, and uh, so, you know, the, the God made his cl calling clear. I was on staff. I had a salary at the time. And the pastor decided, he said, no, okay, yeah, we've heard the prophetic words. We're going to release you. And so I cut my salary down to $1,000 a month. Th thought that was generous. And uh, paid my health care, but said, you're free. You can go pursue travel ministry. I've got three children at home and all the bills that everybody else has. And um, so, but we said, okay, it's going to be the Lord. And so the miracle after miracle, as we obeyed that, the things began to happen. But I, what I did not like is I would show up in a location knowing that I'm itinerant and this feeling that I was exchanging ministry for money. I hated that. And we, the fact that we had to, who's covering the airfares and the, because it was just necessary and I'm mindful of my, my family at home. But I, I used to hate that. So I used, was declaring back then, the day will come when I have an invitation. I'm not going to ask anything because I usually didn't, but they'd volunteer. I'm not going to ask anything about the honorarium. I'm not going to ask about the expenses. I'm not going to about the cost. The day will come when if somebody calls and say, here's an invitation, I'll just pray and I'll say, God, if you want me, there I go. I'll pay all my own expenses. I'll pay all the costs. And then at the end, if they want to write something back, then that's a blessing. That day came. And now, it, for me, it's not about, do I just like the phone call? Am I supposed to go to Texas? I'm supposed to be with that. Yep. Okay, that was the day before. How many know the price of the tickets for flying the next day? But I just here's a little side note about God. So I got the last seat on the plane. About the, an email comes shortly after it says, "Would you sell your seat back?" Basically, I'm sure they overbooked because competing. And I said, "No, I can't. I need to be there at that time." So another few minutes went by, and they sent me back an email, and they upgraded me to first class. <laughs> and so, yeah, and so, and so then I go there, and on the way back. I put a request in because I have a quite a few accumulated deals, but because, I, because of COVID, my classification with the airline went, I'm just lifetime gold. But anyway, so it fell down. I'm in the bottom category. And I'm talking with a guy who flies from San Luis Obispo to Dallas every Monday and from Dallas back to San Luis Obispo every Thursday. So he's got all these legs accumulated, all these miles accumulated, and he's on the upgrade list. And we're sitting next to him, and I'm thinking, well, you know, no problem. It's, it's kind of a short flight. And he's about two people behind me go through the deal, and they exchange, and they give me a first-class ticket. I thought, oh, cool. So I thought, maybe I'll get to sit next to him. So I sit down, and sure enough, he comes by, and he got put back in coat. It made no sense, absolutely zero sense. And all I could say is somehow God's behind the buttons, too. Amen? <laughs> so, because it's about faith. It's about you say you go. It's not putting provision, not a condition. Am I supposed to be there? Amen? And then, yes. 
And so now, where we're believing now, according to the scripture, is that when an invitation comes, you pray about if you're supposed to be there, and then you wind up going and you, you cover. And when I say that I'm covering the expenses, it's not out of the church. I, we don't, I don't take money out of the church when I fly or go places, other than if it's a church assignment. If I go in ministry because it's a personal invitation, it comes out of my ministry. Just so you guys know, you're not paying to fly us all over the world. No, I'm going to Rome at the end of the week on me. Accommodations in Rome out of my ministry. So, but, but when we go, here's where my faith is. Next time for in the future, it's happened a few times. When you go, the costs are covered, et cetera. But when you're there, you have a conversation. You find out what the needs of the ministry are. Find out if there's any special needs or a special project that's going. So not only you come, but when you leave, you're able to give into every good work. You leave a blessing. Amen? And I know God does that. It's progressive because the kingdom unfolds, faith unfolds, revelation unfolds. But that's where we're going. And that's where we're going as a church. Amen? That we're believing that we're not going to have to ever make decisions in the future about finances. We're going to say, God, do you want us there? Amen? Are we supposed to be in that location? Are we supposed to be doing this? Are we supposed to be doing... And if that's the case, then your provision will be there. Can anybody say amen? amen? But that's for your life, too. That's where he's able to make his grace abound towards us. Last, this is the last scripture. Worship team, you can come on up. Or keyboard, however you guys are doing that. 2 Corinthians 9, 10. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower... And bread for food, supply and multiply the seed you've sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Well, you're enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. For the administration of this service not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also is abounding through many thanksgiving to God. God, again, how does the kingdom work? What's the protocol? Seed sowing principle. How does provision come? By entering into that principle of the kingdom. God provides the seed to the supplier. And he, and he provides bread for food, but he also supplies beyond your bread for food. He supplies seed that you can sow to bring increase. So in sowing your seed, that's how you bring increase through the kingdom into these things that we're talking about. But he also said, this is pe what people don't understand. It's like when you begin entering into sowing and reaping in the kingdom of heaven, and you begin to, whether tithe or offering or both, but you begin to enter into that, the scripture said it also increases the fruits of your righteousness. It's just not about a financial increase. There's something that when, and God knows this, where our heart is, and, and we begin to give, there's something transformational that takes place in our heart. Like when we start investing in the kingdom, the kingdom starts getting bigger in us. When there's a connection of investment, there's something that begins to change on the inside in terms of the fruits of your righteousness. So all of the things about peace, about joy, about understanding, all of that stuff begins to increase because you have a buy-in to God's project. And you become partners, in a sense, of the kingdom of heaven. So that's transformational in itself. Remind me of a dream I had, but I, we don't have time for the dream. Next time. Now, okay, i got to obey. The key, <laughs> the key of for God's salvation provision is to understand and operate in the ways of the kingdom. So I want to just pray into that as we're closing this morning. Father, thank you for, I know it was a fire hose of information. And sometimes that, that works because it creates impartation. 
Sometimes if, if you're hearing something and all of a sudden there's too much information, you say, okay, I'm, gonna not take, I'm just going to open up and try to catch something. Then it becomes impartation. Father, I thank you for the impartation of the kingdom of heaven engrafted in the hearts and minds of your people in this room. Lord, I thank you that the, the initial thought for this was because we're not to be a people of fear or concern about the future or about shortages, but we're going to be a people of provision because of your kingdom. I just declare that. And in every marriage conversation where strife has come up because of finances and every place where friction is caused over these kind of things, I just declare peace and faith right now in Jesus' name. And I, I, Lord, I just charge the husbands and wives that if you come together and you pray on earth as touching anything, you come into agreement, yet you have the most harmonious situation that God designed from the book of Genesis forward. The two have become one. If you can agree on earth and touch something and say, this is what we believe is God's will for us, it will be done for you, Scripture says. So I pray, God, that you bless the harmony in homes. You bless the harmony in relationships. You bless the harmony in businesses. In Jesus' name. As they reflect your kingdom, God, put all of the adornment, the adornments of the kingdom in those situations. In Jesus' name. We thank you for increase. Thank you for increase, God. In Jesus' name. Thank you for multiplication. In Jesus' name. I thank you for people who are looking for jobs right now in this room. Thank you that you open doors that no man can close. I thank you for, or for promotions, God, in Jesus' name. You've given us access through the kingdom. All you ask is humility, not poverty. You ask humility. They're not the same. And I just thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. Blessed are those who want to understand. Blessed are those who will keep on asking and keep on seeking and keep on knocking. Blessed are those. The kingdom comes to them. Understanding comes to them. We just thank you for it. Thanks so much for tuning in. We hope that that message was inspiring, encouraging, and hopefully equipped you for life. And if you're looking to get connected with Equippers Church, you can go to equipperscc.com connect, fill out a simple form, and someone from our team will be reaching out. You can find all kinds of opportunities to connect, to give, and receive prayer on our website, equipperscc.com. And hey, we really hope to meet you in person sometime, see you in the room. But until then, keep tuning in. We hope that you are blessed by Equippers Church here on YouTube. Love you so much. God bless.